with us. Uh, we read this, and I'm just going to, Pastor Kevin, if you'll grab a handful of these back there and uh, maybe hand them to somebody real smart like Andrew Allen back there who's got a college degree and is trying to be educated, he might can help you out. If you do not have a Fierce 40 reading guide, maybe you weren't here last week, it's your first time this week, lift up your hand. We want to get you one of these. We are, we are in today, day uh, seven of 40 days in the Word, and we are spending 40 days reading wisdom, worship, and Word. We're reading through Proverbs and some of the Psalms, and then uh, 10 books of the Bible, and man, it's just been going great, and I have been super encouraged. Man, you guys have filled me up this week because I've received texts and emails, and I've seen social media posts, and man, I've just been so encouraged how you guys are reading the Word this week. So let's look at it today, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place. Somebody say every place. Every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you. Somebody say, no one. All the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Somebody say, strong and courageous. Because you'll lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Let's say this next sentence together. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it for the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Rankin Church of God, listen. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Somebody say amen. amen. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit and the confirmation of your word that we already sense in this room. And so, Lord, as we unpack this story today, we pray you would add your anointing. We ask you today, God, to anoint me as I speak. Anoint this body as we hear. May we be changed, challenged, and transformed by the power of the word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen.
How many of you enjoy a good movie? I think most of us do. Let's kind of poll the room. Where's the action adventure people at? All right. Where's the comedy people at? All right. Romance? Okay. How many people like drama? There they are. There's the people who's always causing all the drama. No, I'm just kidding. You, you like drama. There's always a few weirdos in the room who like musicals. Where are those people at? Oh, wow. We got a bunch of them. That's why y'all sing so good. No, I'm just kidding. I, I like a good musical every now and then as well. We, we saw a few movies this, this summer at the theater, and uh, there was only one movie I walked out of this summer that I said, we got to go see that again before it leaves theaters. Anybody want to guess what that movie was? You got it. Top Gun. You saw it too. I mean, this was a movie that I think really surprised us all. 35 plus years in the making and Top Gun shows up and blows us all out of the water. We couldn't believe how good it was. We couldn't believe how American it was. We couldn't believe there was no political agenda or anything. You know, and overall, it was a pretty clean movie. And, and the thing that really surprises me when I think about Top Gun, Maverick, is that it was a sequel. How hard is it to get a sequel right? Now, when I say sequel, I know we've got movie franchises, and, and that kind of gets out of control with how many movies are in this set but when I think sequel, I think about the second movie that comes along, the movie that follows the, the, the first one, okay, obviously. And this week I was talking to some friends and family members, and I was asking them, you know, what are some of the, the greatest sequels of all time? And I was asking a friend of mine about this, and we actually got into this conversation, and he took a little bit deeper. He said, well, he said, actually, what you need to think about is, before you think about, you know, what's the greatest sequels of all time you got to think about what makes a great movie sequel I said okay hit hit it he said all right first of all the originals got to be great would you agree with that I mean great movie sequels come from originals that you've watched multiple times and are worthy if the first one's not good you don't want a second one right the second thing that we would say is it tells a different story it's not just the first story told the same way it's different and here's the other thing that you would consider is the character development, that the characters move along and how we feel about them and what we know about them. And there's new challenges that were, are presented. And then the sequel often involves a twist. Have you noticed that before? Something that happens that you're just not expecting. And of all the movies that we saw this summer in the theaters, we actually saw three sequels. Two of those sequels I was super disappointed in and I'm like, I don't even care to see them when they come on demand. I, I, but I do want to see Top Gun again. It's just tough to pull off a great sequel, right? So as we're talking about movies this morning, I, don't say any out loud, but think, what do you think are the best sequels of all time? Don't say it out loud. <laughs> Okay, somebody mark her down, okay? She's getting ahead of me, all right? Come on, did you take your medicine this morning? I love you. <laughs> I'm just messing, she's my friend. She was in my youth group a long time ago, so we've picked at each other for 15 years. Okay, my favorite movie sequel is this one right here. You probably didn't think about it. Problem Child 2 is... is I'm just kidding, y'all. I'm just kidding, y'all. Some of you are like, I didn't know there was a problem child one. <laughs> How many people have ever heard of problem child? 
Okay, yeah, yeah, both of those movies were a great mistake. Okay, some of you are like, I have a problem child. I were a problem child. Okay, but when you think about great movie sequels, there's one that as I was talking to friends and family, I was doing some research, there's one that really most people would say is the greatest movie sequel of all time, 1980, The Empire Strikes Back, the sequel to Star Wars, okay? I mean, you think about it, it... the first one was great, so this one tells another great story. The characters are development, de- developed, and then you've got the greatest twist in movie history. Luke, I am your father. How's that for a twist, okay? Then the other one that I heard a lot that I didn't think about, what was it, Kelsey? Toy Story 2, okay? And, and this movie, we watched it tons of times. Our kids were little when it came out, and I thought, yeah, man, this is a great sequel. It develops the characters. The first movie was great. We get Woody's backstory. There's a twist because there's this crazy guy that puts Woody in a, in a box, and he's going to try to sell him. And Just a lot of fun Toy Story 2. And then there's one other one that came up over and over and over, The Dark Knight. I mean, a lot of people would say this is one of the best, you know, uh, sequels of all time. And so all of those movies kind of stand up to what we're talking about this morning when it comes to sequels. So somebody's saying, when are you going to talk about the Bible? <laughs> what has this got to do with anything? Okay, great question, okay? When we started the year, we started with part one of this movie called Strong and Courageous. It's our vision for 2022, and we shared three messages at the beginning of this year in January where we looked at the story of Joshua, the handoff. From Moses to Joshua, the first four chapters. And when we finished chapter four, I said to be continued. We'll come back later this year. And today we're here, and today we're at Strong and Courageous 2, the sequel. I'm calling it The Conquest of Canaan. So here's the question Will Strong and Courageous 2, which follows us through Joshua 5 through 10, will it live up to the hype? Is it a great sequel? Well, let's put it to the test. Is the original story great? Yeah, I mean, chapter 1 through 4, pretty great. I mean, we've got the calling of Joshua. We've got the whole strong and courageous thing we, we just read. We see a spy mission to check out Jericho. And then we see, we spent two weeks talking about it in January, around 2 million people, the Israelites, walk across dry ground uh, over the, uh, the Jordan River, and then they build these, these monuments. Anybody remember when we did that in January? We had rocks that were all around the sanctuary, and you guys found them, and we, we built a monument up here kind of representing that. So the original story was great. Uh, does it tell a different story? Well, yeah, yeah. The, the, the first part of this story is the journey of how the Israelites get to the Promised Land, and now they're there, and chapters 5 through 10 tells what's happened when they when they take the promised land, this conquest of Canaan we're talking about. Well, what about character development and new challenges and a twist? Well, we definitely have character development because we see Joshua grow as a leader. He struggles as a leader, but we watch him effectively slip into those shoes of Moses and they see him as their next great leader. What about new challenges? Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about the challenge of the city of Jericho, and we're going to talk about Jericho at length next week. But then there's the city of Ai, and then they have to conquer northern kingdoms and southern kingdoms, a lot of challenges. And then there is that unexpected twist. There's a defeat that we read about that we're going to talk one Sunday about that they didn't expect. And then there's a nation that deceives them, and then there's a climate change moment. 
It's what Miss Renee read this morning where the sun stands still. I mean, talk about climate change. That would turn Washington on their ear as they talk about climate change to know that at one point the sun stood still. So, Strong and Courageous 2, the conquest of Canaan. Anybody want to go watch it with me? Okay. So does it really live up to the hype? Yes, it does. Because you're going to see over the next few weeks there's more action, there's more adventure than in the first four chapters. Now, when you watch a sequel, I don't know if anybody else does this, but anybody before you go watch the sequel, you go back and watch the original? A lot of people do that. They kind of, you know, prepare for it and just kind of, you know, remember what's going on. So real quick, let's see where we left off when we last saw this group of people. So in Joshua chapter 4, around 2 million Hebrews have crossed over the Jordan River at flood stage. They have this miracle where the Jordan River is dry. And remember, the, the priests are standing in the middle of the riverbed with the ark. And, and the river splits, and they walk on dry ground. And when they get to the other side, Joshua says, collect 12 stones and we'll set up a memorial. And this is what it says in, in Joshua chapter 4. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of what? Jericho, okay? Keep that in mind. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones he had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the what somebody? The Red Sea. Remember that story? When he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of, Lord, of the Lord is what? Powerful. And that you might always fear the Lord your God. So, on the other side, here's where we left them. They've experienced an incredible miracle. They have commemorated this miracle by building a monument. And they're camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. Okay, how far are they away? They are two miles. How many miles? Two miles away from Jericho. Okay, they are in earshot and eyeshot, if that's a word of their first battle and their first target. So think about this. If, 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 if we're with that group and we're two miles away and we're camped and we just saw this miracle and we know what's next, now we got to fight. What are you thinking? If you're a part of that camp and you're, you're beginning to have this conversation that we're not going to be staying here very long, there's something big ahead, what are you thinking? I'm thinking it's about to get real. I mean, we've seen some great things, but let, let's, let's prepare, let's plan, join hands with your neighbors, let's pray. Let's make sure we're ready for what's coming next. And what we see in chapter 5 are four things that I want to share with you this morning that we're going to call Joshua's battle plan. Four steps he takes. I'm going to go ahead and show them to you. And they're going to be easy to remember because I'm going to do that alliteration thing where all the words start with the same letter. So step one, we see him return. Step two, we see him remember. Step three, we see him request. And step four, we see him reverence. Okay, so let's, let's start unpacking this. Step one, return, all right? So in Joshua chapter 5, verse 2, watch this. They're all camped out. 
And the Lord has a conversation with Joshua. A very interesting conversation. He says, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. All right, elephant in the room. All the men say, ouch. All right, let's go ahead and get that out there. Okay. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites. Okay. So why did he have to do this? Well, first of all, he did it because this was the generation that their parents came through and all their parents and grandparents died and this was that generation that got to inherit the promised land. Their parents and grandparents had been circumcised before. This group had not been. There had never been that to happen in the desert. And so now it's going to happen. Verse 7, So he raised up their sons in their place and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in the camp until they were healed. Say amen. Okay. They did not go fight immediately. There was a few days where they rested and they were healed. Now listen, okay. You've got to understand the significance of this moment because what's going on here takes us all the way back to something that happened with God and Abraham in Genesis chapter 17. We cannot forget that the Bible is one complete story. So from page one to the last page, there is a story that's being told and it's repeated at different times. 66 books, 39 different authors. Everybody's saying the same thing. And so when this moment comes, it has incredible significance for these, for these men at this time. So when we go back to Genesis chapter 17, okay, stay with me because I want to teach you something here that you may not really have ever understood. We've all heard circumcision, read about, and talked about a lot. And it's one of those things that we're like, get to the next point. Don't really want to talk about this. All right? But listen to what happens in Genesis 17. This is, this is pretty amazing. When Abram was 99 years old. Somebody say, that's old. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. I'm El Shaddai. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and you will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, for your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. <laughs> king David, King Solomon, King Jesus. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. What's the covenant? Here it is. Every male among you shall be circumcised. So why did God choose circumcision? Circumcision served as an outward sign of an inward dedication to God. Watch this. Through this act, 
the organ of procreation was dedicated to God, representing that Abraham's offspring were uniquely dedicated and consecrated to God. For Abraham, circumcision was a mark of possession, indicating that he belonged to God at the most intimate and personal level. It was also a sign of commitment symbolizing that he would trust and serve the Lord alone. It was something that the Israelites did that nobody else did. It's why, as I said last week, when David stood before Goliath, he called him an uncircumcised Philistine because the, the people of who weren't of God, the Canaanites and all the other ites were not circumcised because this was something that was done between God and man and set up by Abraham and now here's this nation they've seen a miracle they're headed to Jericho and before they take any step further God says you are to return to how this whole thing started and if you noticed it as we read Genesis chapter 17 the things that God is saying to Abram and Abraham, it's not just about circumcision. He's talking about this very moment in time when these people that God predicted through Abraham, his ancestors would take the land. Are y'all engaged enough this morning to get that? That's a big deal. This is a major historical moment. I mean, if they had television crews, CNN and Fox and everybody would be right there covering this moment. So it made sense that before they went into battle to take the land, they would obey God by returning to this outward sign of dedication. So what does that have to do with us? Well, listen. How many of you face battles? How many of you have got a battle coming up? You can see it on the horizon. Some of you are in a fight. You're in a battle right now. The same things that Joshua did to get ready, for, to, to, get ready to fight are the same things that we can do. And Joshua returned to something that connected him and set him in a place with God like no other. What we're doing right now through Fierce 40, this is a way of us returning we're shutting things out. We're, we're cutting off TV. We're getting away from the, the phone or whatever it might be to spend time in the presence of God, reading God's word. Something happens when we do that. We are, we are those disciplines of prayer and of fasting and in reading the word. They, they align our heart to the heart of God as, as circumcision aligned Abraham and his heart to the heart of God. And when we, when we consecrate ourselves through these disciplines, we're saying to God, listen, I don't know what's ahead. I don't know what's happening in my, in my battle that's that's before me, but when I return to the things that I know will work, when I return to the things I know are going to refocus my mind and my spirit, then I know he's going to prepare me for the battle ahead. Will somebody give God praise this morning? Amen. So the first thing we see Joshua do is he returns. Second thing he does is he remembers. Oh, this is so good. So as they're all healing up, sitting around the camp, then they do something else that's so significant before they move forward. Wow, this is so good. Can't wait to show it to you. Joshua chapter 5 verse 10. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated what, y'all? The Passover. 
Why did they celebrate Passover? Why was it important for them to do that? Well, because we read it a while ago, Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. And part of what Moses passed down to Joshua was observing the Passover. What was the Passover? The Passover was them commemorating God's deliverance of the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt. It was a meal that they had that was very significant because it took them back to the place to where their mamas and daddies and their grandparents, the night of the 10th plague, when they, when they were, everybody else in Egypt, we, we hear the, the sounds of children being slain as the death angel comes through, but the, but the Israelites are practicing the Passover. And in that moment, I can imagine as they're celebrating Passover, then somebody starts telling the story. Well, well, why are we doing this? Well, here's the reason why we're doing it. And somebody says, you know, I remember my grandma. She told me about what it was like to sit there that night and eat that food and prepare. I can remember my granddaddy. Some on the other end of the table said, my granddaddy said something about they took blood of a lamb and they put it over the doorpost so that the death angel would pass by them. And, and, and they began to talk about what God had done and how God had brought their mamas and their daddies and their grandmas and their granddaddies from Egypt to freedom and now they're the ones who are going to get to see the promised land and you better believe their faith begin to build, they begin to rehearse and, and go over the faithfulness of God and this was a big deal, a big part of preparation for them to remember the God who had been faithful to them, amen? amen. But then watch what happens, this is pretty cool too. In Joshua chapter 5, it says, The day after the Passover. That very day. I mean, the author of Joshua gives that a little emphasis. He says, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land. Unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna what? Stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. This is big too. Because for 40 years every day they've been eating the same wafer. What's for supper? Manna. What's for breakfast? Manna. For 40 years y'all they've been having the same thing over and over and over. And they're getting ready to set the table that night. And somebody says... There's some grain out here. We're no longer in the desert. Maybe there's a cow over there. Somebody get him. We're going to have some meat for supper tonight. They no longer ate the manna because now the very land that they were in, the promised land, a land that flows with what? Milk and honey. Give me some of that honey and give me a glass of milk and some Oreos. We don't have to eat manna anymore. I mean, God has already begun to, and, and look, oh, it just hit me. Oh, this is good. Hey, thank you, Holy Spirit. Could it be that for the battle that they were about to have, manna wasn't enough? They needed some fresh bread and some fresh grain and some fresh sustenance for them to go in and take the land that God had promised them. All right, so we're talking about remembering. Well, there's one more step in this remembering that takes place I want you to see. Joshua chapter 5 verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us 
or for our enemies. Now, I'm going to talk about the rest of this verse in the next point, but I want you to look at the first six words. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, we said a while ago that they were camped how many miles out from Jericho? Two miles, right, good, you're, you're listening. I'm just going to, I don't know if it happened this way, but I'm preaching today, so I'm going to tell it this way. When Joshua was near Jericho, could it be that as they know what Joshua knows is about to happen, he leaves camp. He starts walking toward Jericho, Chris. He's getting closer and closer. And as he nears Jericho, he stops and it's out his fierce 40. He starts having some quiet time with the Lord. And he's seeing those walls of Jericho we're going to talk about next week. He's thinking, okay, this is what we've been called to do. Lord, you really gave us a tough battle right out of the gate. You know, one of the toughest ones. And then the Holy Spirit starts to remind him everything that God had said to him. He said, boy, I called you to this. I handed this off from Moses to you. And did I not say that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you? Did I not say to you, Joshua, that every place you put your foot would be yours yeah Lord you said that did I not say Joshua that I will never leave you or forsake you did I not say Joshua that you are to be strong and courageous well as a matter of fact Lord you said that I should be strong and very courageous and by the time Joshua finished preaching to himself he's like I may not need y'all after all I think I'm just gonna go ahead and run on and take this thing myself and maybe perhaps as he's building up his faith, what is he doing? He is remembering, he's rehearsing the faithfulness of God. How many times do we defeat ourselves because all we do is rehearse everything that is bad and annoying and frustrating in our lives? Oh, somebody, I'm going to preach right now. Listen, how much would the thing change in our spirit and in our lives if we encouraged ourselves in the Lord? and we rehearse the things that we're reading in Fierce 40 the things that we're singing from this platform the things that we're praying in our lives gives us the energy and the supernatural power to do what God's called us to do and the battle that's facing us amen there's power in remembering what God has done in our lives the psalmist said let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart I'll praise his name. Let all I am praise the Lord. May I never what? Forget the good things he does for me. And then he runs a list. He forgives all my sins. Amen. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. And listen. He says, after I think about all that, I feel like a young man again. My youth is renewed, and I believe I can do anything when I remember and concentrate and think through the things that God has done. Amen. So Joshua returns. Joshua remembers. Number three, Joshua requests. Verse 13. Okay, so let's go back to this story. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he's having his prayer time. It says he looks up. And he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Is that a good question? 
he knows a battle's about to come and he sees this, this man standing there with a sword in his hand. He says, whose team are you on? Now he gives him an answer that I really, be, to be honest with you, I don't like this answer. Because his answer is, neither. He replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua's like, okay, he's on our team. <laughs> then Joshua realizes who this is. And what does your, your Bible say? He fell face down on the ground in what? Okay, that's point four. We'll get that in a second. And he asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Now, depending upon who you read behind, there's a couple of different explanations. So I'm, I don't really know of who this commander of the army of the Lord is. Some believe that it was Michael, the archangel, the commander of the army of the Lord, an angelic warrior being having this conversation. Some theologians and Bible scholars believe that this was a form of Jesus standing in front of him, which wouldn't be unusual in the fact, well, it is very unusual, but it's is happened before. There is precedent. There were, there were three men who showed up to talk to Abraham and one of them was, was as Christ. And there was a man who wrestled with Jacob and, and we believe that could have been a form of Jesus. And then there was a fourth man in the fire, right? With Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So this could be Jesus. So however you want to think about it, you're okay. But either way, Joshua's response is he asked two really good questions. He says, are you for us or our enemies? And what message does my Lord have for his servant? Joshua is open to another message. Has Joshua been receiving messages from God? Absolutely. We see him getting downloaded messages all the time. And so now he's like, hey, if you got any more messages, we're, we're two miles out. I'll take a message at this point. What is it that we need to walk away from this? We've said we, we request. What does that mean? It means if we're facing a battle, we're facing a difficult situation, we're in a battle, don't be afraid to ask for God's direction. If there's anything that you should have clearly seen after seven days of reading through Proverbs, is that we serve a God who desires and wants to give us clear wisdom and direction. Amen? And so I'm thinking, hey, here's something else I can add to what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm putting aside some time every day. I'm using a hard copy of the Bible. I've got a pen in hand saying, Lord, I'm expecting you to speak to me. But I, I dare you this week that as you begin to read, you say what Joshua did. What message does my Lord have for his servant? Somebody say that with me. What message does my Lord have for his servant? How, how much would, would the word jump off the page at you if every day before you started reading, you said, all right, I'm here. What message does my Lord have for his servant? Oh, my goodness. Let's stop right there for a minute. Because what am I saying in that moment? I'm saying, I'm declaring, you're my Lord. This has nothing to do with me. This is your word, and I'm your servant, and I, my ears are open, and I want to hear what you have to say to me amen and so that tells you and me that we have got to understand y'all that when we're in those battles and we're in those moments don't be hard-headed and try to do it on your own 
How many of you have tried to figure it out on your own, in your own strength, in your own wisdom, but listen to what your Bible says? You read it on Tuesday. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He's a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful one. Oh, that's Old Testament. You want some new on Tuesday? You're going to read this. Matthew 7. Jesus said, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Somebody take a praise break right now and give God praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, I thought about that this week, and I was thinking about going way back in time before Google or Apple Maps, before um, uh, Garmin or, or, or uh, whatever those were that we would have in our car, even before you would print out MapQuest in the late 90s. Anybody, uh, people who are older, you're going to enjoy this part of the message a little more. We used to print out MapQuest. Before we had the internet and all that, what did we have to do to, to know where we were going have an old-fashioned map, right? How many marriages almost did not survive the early 90s and the 80s and the 70s before? Because we're driving around, and daggone it, I'm not stopping to ask for directions. I know where I'm going. You better stop and ask for directions. I got this. And we go in circles and circles, and finally we decide to stop at the Shell Station. And go ahead and say, hey, where's this restaurant at? Well, it's right over here. You, you're right on top of it, sir. You're two blocks over. Anybody I got a testimony that that's, that's happened to you at some point in time? Why? Because we're hard-headed. Because we're prideful. And because we won't ask for directions. Hey, let me tell you something. Oh, my goodness. Listen to this. When you're in a battle, when you're in a fight, when the enemy's on your doorstep and breathing down your neck, you don't have time to try to figure it out on your own. You better be calling upon God. You better be asking through the one who we hear, we've heard about all week in Proverbs who says, if you ask for wisdom, I'll give it to you. If you want direction, I'll give it to you. If you want to get in your own way and you want to do your own thing, you'll put your car in the ditch. But if you'll ask for direction from me, I will anoint, lead, direct, and light your path. Hallelujah. Somebody give God praise this morning. Don't forget in the middle of the battle. Don't be afraid to stop and request help. So Joshua returned. He remembered and he requested. And as you guys give me some background music, what's the last thing he did? He reverenced. Wow, listen to Joshua's response. He knows who he's standing in front of. Who are you, who are you for? Neither. He replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell how, y'all? Face down to the ground in reverence. And he asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals. For the place you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Boy, does that sound familiar? 
Did I not tell you that this book tells the same story over and over and over? The very man who was handed it off from Moses to him has a moment moment, a Moses moment. And God reaches to him at the same way he did Moses. It wasn't a burning bush, but it's a commander of the army of the Lord with a sword in his hand because we're getting ready to fight. And Moses' response, I'm sorry, Joshua's response, he's on his face and he's reaching behind him, y'all, taking those sandals off because he's on holy ground. He's reverencing the presence of God. Have you ever been in those battles? Have you ever been in those fights? Have you better ever been in those moments? When the presence of the Lord rushed in during a time of prayer or worship or reading and just, just, Tristan, come here. The presence of the Lord just rushed in and said, I got you. I've got you. You're not going to walk through this alone. I'm surrounding you. It looks like you're surrounded, but I've got you. And the response, thank you, was worship. Worship. So when you don't know what to do, worship. When you don't have the answer, worship. When you don't know where the bill's going to be paid, how it's going to happen, or the direction, and you're still waiting for the answer, worship. See, here's the thing. Joshua's physical response was an act of reverence that acknowledged who was there in the moment and who was in control of the battle ahead. I said, you know, he had that conversation. He was ready to take it. But there was something still left there that the Lord knew he needed something to push him over the cliff. And that's when he, he got that moment, y'all. He walked back and he said, y'all about to see something here. We about, to, we about to see God do something that will be talked about and sung about and preached about forever and ever and ever. We're about to take this city. But in that moment, how did he respond? Listen, after we've returned to the Lord through the disciplines of Bible reading, prayer and fasting, after we've remembered the faithfulness of God, after we've requested direction and wisdom, our next step was Joshua's and its reverence and its wisdom. This book is full of physical responses to God. I will just tell you, this is not a preference thing. It's not even a spirit-filled thing or a Pentecostal thing. It's a biblical thing. I, I get frustrated. I've been frustrated 28 years of ministry with people who stand like a stick in worship. I don't get that. I'm not emotional. No, you are. Because if you and your spouse get in an argument, are you emotional? When you're in traffic and somebody cuts you off, are you emotional? When you're watching the ball game and your team scores or doesn't score, are you emotional? 
When you're dealing and uh, uh, when you're working in your backyard with a hammer and you hit your finger, beep, 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 are you emotional? Absolutely. And the and so God has created us that He says that those emotions that are just part of who we are, when we're connected with Him, then what should come out of us is a response like Joshua had. When we're in the battle, when we're facing the battle, what does the psalmist say? The psalmist says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. The psalmist tells us to sing unto the Lord, to play instruments unto the Lord, to bow before the Lord, to dance before the Lord, to sit in silence before the Lord, to lay on our face before the Lord, and Almighty God demands that we respond with the bodies that He has physically given us. Let me say it like this. Worship is an outward sign of an inward submission. And that's what was happening when He laid on His face and He ripped His shoes off. He was saying outwardly, here's what I'm doing God. I am submitting to what you have ahead. I'm submitting to what is before me. That response right there, let that warrior know that Joshua was ready for the fight. So, Joshua's battle plan. Let's look at it again. Return to those disciplines that will set you on the place where you need to be. Remember the goodness and the grace and the faithfulness of God. Don't do it on your own. Request the guidance and the direction and the wisdom of a God who loves you so much that He says, I'll never leave you, forsake you, and I will make my word a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And then, when you've done it all, you worship, you reverence, you say the words of the psalmist in Psalm 95, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us come aloud to the rock, shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let's come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture the flock under his care if you're facing a battle today if you're in a battle if there's a battle on the horizon this morning those four steps that Joshua took to prepare himself for the battle are the same steps that are available to you amen let's stand together this morning as the worship team comes How many of you today would say, Pastor Les, I am in a battle right now. I'm facing a battle right now. I'm in a situation right now that I'm battling. How many of you would say, I see one coming. I see a battle coming. There's one, there's one on the horizon. I can, I can see it coming. Here's how we're going to close out this service this morning as this team begins to play and we get ready. I want everybody in the house today who says, I'm facing a battle or I see a battle coming, I want you to come. I want you to stand shoulder to shoulder across the front of this sanctuary this morning. We're going to have prayer together today. Everybody here who's facing a battle today, and you want to take a step today, a step of faith, to say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to submit this battle over to you.
I'm going to give this battle to you today. Come on, they're coming from all over the room this morning, fighting a battle, situations that we're in. Come on, saying shoulder to shoulder this morning. Tressa, I want you to start on that side, and I'm going to start on this side. Pastor Kevin, if you'll come and start in the middle, and we'll meet, we'll meet somewhere along the way. If you have a friend, a family member, somebody you love, or you just want to come and help us pray, will you step out this morning? And let's make a wall, an army of prayer behind these folks who are here today, and let's lift them up in prayer. Here's what we're going to do today as we get ready to pray. Listen. They're going to sing a song that you know, okay? This song says, it declares, I'm going to see a victory. And here's what we're going to do. They're going to sing it this way, and you're going to sing it this way. And here's what we're going to do for y'all. We're going to build a victory sandwich right here, okay? We're going to put you in a victory sandwich, and we're going to declare the word of the Lord over your life today, and we're going to declare that the battle that you're in is going to be won in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to come by. We're going to pray with you. We're going to agree in prayer together today. But what it takes when you walk out these doors is to do what we just talked about today. Amen. Father, as we begin to pray, we just ask you right now that you would move in this house. We pray that you would give strength. We pray that you would enable us in every battle, in every situation. We declare that we will see a victory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody in the house today. Let's sing this. Let's pray this. Let's declare this over our lives today. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. And when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. And my God will never fail. Oh, my God will never fail. And I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. And there's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war you wage is He will.
Victory. 